You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Mic check, mic check, gotta adjust, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Nine Finger Chronicles time. <sighs> now, all that, I, I bet you that sounded like a crowd of people, but I actually did it with my mouth, believe it or not. I'm, uh, I'm pretty cool that way. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna start this over. Good episode today, and one that needs to be heard, okay? So... We have people in this world who, I mean, I'll just boil it straight down to the hunting industry, right? There's a lot of people out there who take from the natural resource and then they don't do anything to give back. They don't talk about public lands. They don't talk about conservation. They don't talk about, um, you know, what, what we have to do to help out our, our, I guess the, you know, department of natural resources, uh, funding, volunteering things like that some people don't do anything they just take today's guest sam soholt this dude is in it right not only is he an avid outdoorsman who loves to hunt you know we talk about the you know the the first part of this episode is him talking about his career his career path some big moments for his career Uh, we talk about where he's going to be hunting who he's going to be hunting with this year but the second part of the, the conversation really revolves around conservation and this duck, this 100-mile duck ruck that he's going to be starting. If you're listening to this on Wednesday the 13th, he is he's in the midst of it right now. And so he, he gives back. He gives back his time to help generate hundreds of thousands of dollars for conservation and uh through the through this uh, duck stamp and what that duck stamp does is it goes to buy uh wetlands uh, and i guess it's like uh 98 of every duck stamp goes to helping wildlife in some way shape or form uh, that money goes directly to that and so 
we listen to him talk about that. We listen to uh, him say why he's passionate about it, how he plans to, you know, accomplish and promote this, uh, this hundred mile duck ruck. And really it's all for a very good, you know, a very good cause, which is in the end of the day conservation. And we need people like him to go out and do these things because there's so many more people who take away from it and then don't give anything back. So uh, it's important to have guys like Sam Sohold out there um, on the front lines doing these kind of things. And it's a, a really interesting conversation. And uh, I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, today, we're going to run through uh, we're going to run through the, what are we running through today? We're going to run through the commercials real quick, uh, right off the bat, Ozonics. If you guys are looking for some type of alternative method to cleaning your clothes, so you don't have to actually wash them and dry them every day, I strongly suggest checking out Ozonics using ozone to treat and clean your clothing and the benefit uh, there's a big benefit to that, but there's also a big benefit of using it in the tree as well. And so go to uh, ozonicshunting.com and read up on all the functionality of that. Uh, of that. Uh, next, we have Tethered. If you are looking to get into a saddle, you got to go check out Tethered, man. Tethered uh, has a full lineup of saddles, saddle hunting accessories, platforms, and um, check out their new lockdown saddle that they just released. On top of that, they have climbing sticks, uh, accessories. I think I already mentioned that, but they have a com- they've they've built a community that loves to share information, and that will help new novice, even experienced guys get better at saddle hunting or, or, or hunting in general. So go check out tetherednation.com. Wasp Archery, if you are looking for, one, of, in my opinion, one of the best built broadheads on the market, best design, best material, majority of their heads are still made in the USA, uh, wasparchery.com. Uh, huge fan of the three-blade jackhammer. Man, my arrows, they're starting to fly really good now, and I'm looking forward to the next month of practicing and practicing with my broadheads on so that I have, uh, so that I'm, I'm ready to go in October when I go on my first uh, out of state hunt. So I'm looking forward to that. Wasparchery.com discount code for 20% is NFC20. Go check that out. Last but not least, man, Vortex Optics. Uh, Vortex has just released the Triumph HD. We got a couple more. Um, uh, we have a couple more products coming out that I'll talk to you about later, but, uh, be sure to check out their VIP warranty. Be sure to check out their gear, their, their, uh, vortex gear, man. They, these guys got a lot going on. They have great media, great uh, video production as well on their website, but the, but their bread and butter is optics, rifle scopes, red dots, Spotting scopes, binoculars, rangefinders, you name it, they have it. So go check out vortexoptics.com. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about you, but I am getting fired up for the upcoming season. Make sure that we do a, a gear check, at least one gear check, before the season starts. That way, whether you run and gun or whether you are a, you know, a ladder stand guy or whatever it is, you have all the gear checked make sure it's safe make sure you know your your bow is sighted in properly because we owe it to the animal to be lethal 
Like we, we owe it to the animal to kill them as fast as possible. And so that is what, uh, I would suggest. And, uh, that's about it, man. I, I'm full of good vibes today. I'm, I'm passing it on to you. So good vibes in good vibes out. And we will talk to you next time. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are joined by Sam Soholt. Sam, dude, how are we doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good today. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So the last time we talked, I don't even know how long that's been. You just had a baby? Uh, Probably just bought a house. I haven't just, had a kid yet. Okay, well, <laughs> so, so there. Maybe I was in a different universe there for a second. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at least not that my wife and I know about. We haven't, we haven't had one. So, Okay, note to self, do research yeah. before you ask questions. Honestly, man, that's like the greatest way to start a podcast. Like, yeah. How's your kid? Don't have one. Love it. Love it. Okay, well, buying a house, having a kid, la, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, that's par for the course on this podcast, man. So, um bought a house where and you're living in where well you know technically a north dakota resident in fargo okay um yep so we bought a house did a bunch of renovation on it and then my wife actually started doing travel occupational therapy and so we've been bouncing around the country uh for the last year now um she does like three month rotations in different spots Mm -hmm. and then obviously for me it doesn't really matter i can travel out and do the hunts that i need to do and film and uh do photography and um, so we were in Idaho Falls all last summer. We were uh, just by Kansas City through the winter, and then we were just just did a stint out in Salt Lake. Um, so we've been able to get out to the mountains, and I was able to extend my season in Missouri a little bit for for deer, and awesome. it didn't pan out, but at least I got to hunt another an extra month, um, which was sweet. And uh, but yeah, so it's been fun to do the the travel thing, and obviously it gives us a ton of flexibility to like. In between, she'll take, you know, three, four weeks off and we can go do some big adventure and, and uh, you know, kind of have some time for just us to go do some cool stuff. Because at what point in life will we be able to do that again? Um, yeah. So we're just trying to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. I got a uh, this girl I know. She is a traveling nurse. Mm-hmm. And she looks like, based off her of her social, she's single. And I think she's single. And she she travels all over the U S and I think she does a little bit of work here, a little bit of work there, but she's always doing something really cool. And I'm just like, dude, what do you do? And she's, she's like, she's a traveling nurse. And then my mom, who is also a nurse, not a traveling one, she's retired. Yeah. Told me how much some of these traveling, uh, physicians make. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. like hundreds of dollars an hour. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. And the, on the OT side, it's not quite as good, but it's yeah. still way better pay. Um, you know, we spend it all on it, adventure and recreation, but yeah. it's still better pay than uh, either just staying in one spot. Yeah. Um, like her first rotation, it was awesome. We, she had, she worked seven days and then would have seven days off. And so last fall, like last summer and fall, uh, when she was working, typically I would go and do a hunt or whatever, uh, whatever trip. And then when I was back and she'd get off and we'd like go for six, seven days, like oh, and go do something perfect. cool. So like, it felt like I was on vacation. <laughs> You know, from all day. August, August 15th until the end of November. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it's been super fun. Man, that's awesome. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's one hell of a lifestyle to live, man. I get a little jealous. You know, I love my kids to death, but I get a, a little jealous of the guys out there who are like, 
what are you doing this fall? Well, first I'm going to hunt this state that opens up. Then I'm going to go hunt elk. Then I'm going to hunt pronghorn. Then I'm going to hunt mule deer. Then I'm going to hunt whitetail rut. Then I'm going to hunt the second whitetail rut down south. And then I'm going to do a late season hunt in Arizona. And then I'm going to do another late season hunt in a Midwest state. I'm just like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden it's next year again. Exactly. <laughs> Turkey season and they fish. Yep. yep. Oh, well. Yeah. That's part of it. Um, That's right. So this year, man, it's, yeah. I mean, it's prime time elk right now. Did you go on an elk hunt this year? You know, I didn't, uh, which is dumb probably. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm filming my brother on an elk hunt on a rifle elk hunt in middle of October. Mm. And so rather than try to squeeze in one more trip in September, you know, I did an early season whitetail trip last week and, and didn't kill anything, but had a great time. And we had a, a fun camp and, and then this week doing a huge project for conservation and uh, just didn't want to try to like stack in one more big backcountry hunt um, because October and November and probably a lot of December are going to be absolutely slammed with different hunts and trips and things that I need to get done. So yeah, taking, uh, taking a September, well, probably not a September breather, but not doing an elk hunt. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm sure I've asked you this question before, but I, I want to hear it again. Um, you're, you're a full-time photographer and digital creator, correct? Yes. Yes. Yep. Have been, have been for a decade now. Okay. So how do you balance a, a work, you know, like, dude, I want you to come film an elk hunt, but I also want an elk hunt. Like, how do you balance mm -hmm. all of that? Yeah. So early on in my career, like I always had to say yes to the, Hey, I need you to come film an elk hunt, mm -hmm. you know, um, which was great. It helped me build my name in the industry as a, as a content creator, as a videographer, photographer. Um, and then, but as time went on, kind of like I wanted to transition to do more of my own stuff. I mean, the right. goal of picking up a camera the whole time was to spend more time in the woods doing what I actually wanted to do, which was be the trigger guy. Yeah. And, and over the years I kind of morphed it into, I get to live in this very cool space between content creator and ambassador, mm -hmm. um, you know, four different brands. And so I get to do almost all of my own trips exclusively now. Yeah. If there's, you know, and then if there's trips that come up where I can pick and choose, you know, last summer, uh, Matzinger, Jason Matzinger got a hold of me and was like, Hey, I need a guy to film this sheep hunt in the Northwest territories. And so I went up with him for 16 days and we killed a big doll sheep and, and film that whole thing, you know, and that was in July and then came back and started doing all of my own trips. So I got lucky that I came into it at the time I did where I was able to morph it into all of my own, uh, projects. Um, you know, there's definitely times where it would be nice to go back to doing a little bit more like just straight photography. Cause you can go out or, you know, photo and video, you can go out, shoot five to seven days or whatever, and then dump all of the content on them or edit all the photos or whatever and, and get it back to them. And then that's over. It's not like this constant, um, generation machine that yeah. you got to be for the brands that you work for which is also a very cool lifestyle i'm not complaining about it it's just uh it's just different right yeah. so you know you can kind of compartmentalize those single trips whereas when you have a yearly contract with a brand or whatever i kind of have to be constantly thinking of okay uh you know this product is launching here i need to go out and shoot you know photos video clips create reels you know do whatever to help uh, promote the launch of that as well as like be a good ambassador for the brand, kind of a billboard for what they're doing, what they're trying to promote, you know, and then on top of that, like trying to promote public land tees and trying to, yeah. you know, just it's constantly curating, um, you know, content and ideas and, and whatever. And it's uh, it's a great lifestyle, but it's busy. For yeah. Sure. That's a fact. Um, yep. 
So you're you're in that zone where you're established enough to where you can pick and choose any type of work and you're you're busy enough to where the the money's the you know the the reason we all work in the first place to get money to pay bills all that's coming in on a regular basis and so it's it's less it's become less stressful and a little bit more laid back yeah i would say that's true i mean at least i have um been in it long enough now where that pipeline continues to flow yeah and so, you know, obviously there's some months that are a lot better than others. Um, and there's still, you know, the slow time is winter. So there's still times where it's like, well, need to ease up on some things for, yeah. <laughs> for a minute, you know, and, and not, you know, maybe not go on that trip, not do this, not spend that just so we can get through, you know, until all of the next work is happening. But, but yes, I would say compared to what was going on in my life at the beginning of this whole career, when I, there was a day, uh, I remember like I used to be a big soda drinker and uh, Mountain Dew was my, <laughs> my, my crux. And I remember walking in, I was living in Montana and I walked into a gas station and I grabbed a Mountain Dew off out of the um, fridge and I had to put it back. Uh, cause I was like, I, yeah, I don't have the money for that. It was like a dollar 85. I was like, I have nothing. Like I can't be spending any sort of money on uh pop right now. Yeah. And so like I'll never forget that day because it was, it was like a, you know, probably four or five months after that, I kind of got a break and got a, a good paying like gig, you know, filming Coast Guard Alaska and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And, and, uh, early on, I had a lot of people that were asking like, how do I get into what you're doing? You know, whatever. And I was like, I, I, I do have to be honest with you. It was like two and a half, three years where I was like negative money. Yeah. Like I was living on credit cards. Yeah. And so, so, um, yeah, but now it's it's better than it was for yeah. sure. And that's the same thing, you know. Everybody wants to start a podcast these days, mm -hmm. and I w I have to remind everybody, like, dude, I I did a podcast for two and a half years before I made any money doing it. Like, yep. my first, I can remember my first check for my first paying sponsor was five hundred dollars for a yearly, a, a yearly advertising slot, yeah. and so I was just like. Okay, well, this is a start, right? But it took took me damn near three years to get to that point. And so people get frustrated, you know, people get so frustrated so early on and they quit and they give up. And But the thing, like you mentioned, is you got to be willing to eat rice and beans, right? And, and live cheap <laughs> and put the Mountain Dews back in the in the fridge for yep. a while, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just it's hard to see, you know, like looking back on it, it's, it's a blip, right. You yep. know, that amount of time in, in the grand scheme of things is nothing. It goes right. by so fast, yep. but in the moment it sucks so bad yep. it feels and it hard. feels forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, you know, if you just kind of keep pushing, you just kind of keep that momentum going. Most of the time, I feel like you can kind of churn your way into something successful, but yeah. it, man, it does take time, especially now, you know, I, I, I feel for guys coming up trying to get into photography right now. I mean, every, like the access to good photography equipment, like compared to when I was coming in, it, it's so readily available. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can buy a very inexpensive DSLR or mirrorless camera and it's going to be better than the best camera I bought 12 years ago. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people can take a good photo now. Let me ask you, a, let me ask you a question. So experience is obviously an important thing but in in the case that you just mentioned where technology has the ability to make somebody look really good 
like a photographer or a videographer because they, you know, these, some of this equipment damn near has an easy button on it uh, these mm-hmm. days. How, how, how does number one, somebody take advantage of that to get, you know, to, to say, Oh geez, man, you know, Sam, he didn't have this stuff. So I should be rocking and rolling, you know, quicker than he should. And B, how do, how does someone else in your position compete with somebody who can come in and almost instantly take a slice of the pie? Uh, That's a good, that's a very good question. And, you know, you know, I heard it from guys that were in the industry longer than, you know, before I was. And, and, and now I'm seeing it now is, the biggest issue that run into like for being established like me is you have a pile of people willing to do stuff for free. Yeah. And you know, I had to do a bunch of, you know, not a bunch, but I had to do quite a bit of stuff for free just Mm -hmm. to get your, get your name out there. Uh, but it, you know, that doesn't pay the bills. And so you have very talented people coming in and doing stuff for very little money. And the, you know, why wouldn't a brand say yes to that? They get really good content for really cheap, but what at the end of the day, what I've been fortunate enough to do is create really long relationships right. within the industry. Right. And that's, and that to me, that's my strong suit has yeah. been networking, creating relationships, keeping relationships, following up with people, you know, doing the work, getting it done on time, sending it in quality work and repeatedly doing that. So for people coming in, I think you have a huge advantage as far as the technology goes on the other side of that, I feel very fortunate that I came up in the generation I did because it was based more around networking relationships, yeah. having to, you know, figure out how to navigate all of that type of stuff. So, right, you know, it, it's always going to be changing and I keep trying to change with it a little bit, trying to figure out like, um, you know, what things I need to create, what platforms I need to be on, who I need to be talking to, who I should be working with. Um, and you constantly got to be pivoting you know, and, and, you know, I think the other thing that I've done, my brother and I have done with public land tees is just a way, you know, like kind of creating our own little niche as far as being able to work with nonprofit organizations and different brands solely based on the mission to raise money for conservation. Um, so, and that's, you know, that's part of it too. I think people coming in, like, you know, you have a lot of guys that are really like, just try they feel like they're spinning their wheels and it's hard to figure out what your niche really is. You know, it takes, it takes time and that's part of the the frustration. But once you figure out what your little avenue is like, and you really dial down on that and hammer that out, then you can start to diversify and do different yeah. things. But until you have like built a name for yourself in one segment, um, it's really hard to expand beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, man. Um, did you have, like, as far as your career so thus far, did you have kind of a break, a breakout moment where you were just like, whew, I don't need to worry anymore? Um, it, it didn't feel like that in the moment. Um, but I would say like what really catapulted me into like the eyes of a lot of, you know, editors, people who are buying photos and hiring people and that, whatever, um, was, so I went on, I got hired to go shoot photos on a new product seminar for Remington. And I met the editor, Mike Scobie on that trip. And I gave him my portfolio at the time, you know, which I had built or whatever. It was, you know, like a PDF of a bunch of my favorite photos that I'd taken. And at that point, this was back in 2013, 14, doesn't matter. Um, 
I was, I just had to say yes to every opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I'd gone on this new product seminar in October and like a week and a half later, I get a phone call from Scobie and uh, Ben O'Brien is actually on the line. I didn't know him at the time. And they're like, Hey, we're going up to British Columbia to shoot a um, cover photo with Joe Rogan on this moose hunt. Uh, are you available? And I was like, I didn't even have it. I, I was like, yep, I'll be there. You know, I just you didn't like, say, let me check my schedule. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah. And I'm like, and, I, and honestly, I had stuff going on like <laughs> that I had to like cancel. Like I had to, at the end of that trip, I had to fly from British Columbia back to Minneapolis instead of back to Fargo because uh, my then girlfriend at the time, but now wife, we were going to the Garth Brooks concert in Minneapolis the weekend after I got done with that <laughs> Rogan shoot. So, yeah. um, you know, it was just like, uh, yeah, I definitely had to cancel some stuff to make that happen. But that cover photo came out that next spring. And that was really like that photo kind of, as far as photography goes, that really, I don't know, put me on the map um, in yeah. the hunting industry. Yeah. And, you know, it's certainly my most famous photo, you know, of a guy who has since then, like absolutely, you know, to the stratosphere. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So um, that's probably, it didn't feel like it in the moment when I was up there, just, you know, bullshitting with Rogan and Ben and, and Mike, the guide, like just in the truck for a week. Yeah. Um, but when that photo hit the shelves, it definitely, definitely helped a lot. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Out of curiosity, how does someone know that's you? Like the, the, the photographer, you know, I, I look at a magazine or I look at an image on a catalog and how, how do, how does Sam Soholt get recognition for that? Yeah. So it didn't really matter to the general public. Right. Um, but it was, uh, every editor, uh, and writer like that reads all the hunting magazines and stuff. Uh, my name got associated with that cover. And so, you know, I ha ended up having, you know, getting to meet Skip Knowles in a bear camp, who's the editor of Wildfowl magazine. So then I had a photo that I had taken a couple of years prior, um, end up on the cover of Wildfowl. And then it's just, you know, like, you know, you get to meet the guys at, um, Eastman's hunting journal. And then you get, you know, I ended up having a cover photo on theirs from a hunt that I did with Jason Matzinger. It's just kind of like, because, you know, I was associated with the quality of a photo that would end up on the cover. Um, and so it just kind of like snowballed into more work, yeah. more publicity, more, you know, just more opportunity. Yeah. Hey man, that's all a good thing. That's all good yeah. stuff, right? That's so, right. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, now that you're established, do you have the ability to call up, I don't know, the Joe Rogans of the world and say, Hey man, let's go do something or someone similar to him throughout the hunting industry and be like, Hey man, let's go do something real kick-ass. You know, to an extent, I guess. Um, I tend not to be one of those guys who calls in those cards very often. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, yes, I've been able, like more so I've been able to be like the photographer or the guy that ends up on the trips with a lot of cool people mm -hmm. and going to cool places. I'd say that's more it than me, like organizing, you know, something. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You know, if there's a, if, you know, say when Ben O'Brien was at Yeti, you know, we're doing, there's a big trip going on or whatever, a big, you know, hunt with everybody in Lanai for Axis deer. Yeah. You know, I got invited to be the photo guy on the trip and go hunt and, you know, do the whole thing down there just because, of my rapport with him and everybody that was going to be on that trip in the industry. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm probably not at the level where I can just call people like that and organize a, a trip or whatever, but, um, I do get to, I do tend to end up on a lot of that cool stuff. And that's awesome. That's, uh, 
And that's a good place to be. I bet you there's times where, you know, you're in the middle of, let me ask you a, a question, real, yeah. a real simple answer. What were you doing before photography? Uh, college. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so you didn't really, you didn't really go into the wor- real world and suffer at all. You know, I had, um, no, not really. Okay. I had an internship with Midwest Whitetail mm-hmm. and when I was still finishing grad school and then I moved to Colorado, my brother had opened up a archery shop and backcountry hunting store. And so I was helping him at, at the store. And I actually, uh, through that, I took a sales rep job, which moved me to Montana. So okay. for about a year, I was a sales rep for, um, an agency who's still around They're national now national sales rep agency. Um, and it was awesome to kind of learn the sales side of things, especially selling large quantities of high-end gear to, you know, uh, retailers. Yeah. And so I, I felt like that was a big skill that I learned. Um, and that was a big networking opportunity too, but as soon, you know, I, you know, and then when I was doing the sales rep job, I randomly met a guy in a coffee shop who was talking about video production or whatever. And we kind of hit it off and he hired me to go film a bear hunt like a month later. And so it kind of snowballed back into videography and photography. So no, I've never had like a real suffer nine to five yeah. job. Um, yeah. yeah. I kind of just dove right into the creative. Well, that's awesome. Um, at least you didn't have to go through that painful period you yeah. know, in your life, <laughs> yeah. but, um, that's cool, man. So do you ever like sit at the top of a mountain and just like take a breath and go, golly, man, I got a good life all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially on days where I'm feeling like, you know, what the hell am I doing? You know, what, yeah. like what, what am I, what am I up to out here? And then I just kind of, I try to slow down, take a look around and just go, man, there's just, there's so many people that would give anything to be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I worked hard for it, but I am pretty damn fortunate to be able to yeah. call this my job, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. So I, I feel, I feel very lucky. That's awesome, man. All right. Um, what hunts do you have on the docket for the rest of the year? Yep. So I've got, uh, I might try to sneak out. I didn't kill an early season whitetail in North Dakota. So I might try to sneak out and chase mule deer potentially, um, at the end of the month, we'll see if I have time. Um, but doing an archery mule deer hunt first week of October. And then after that, I'll go out and film my old brother on, uh, at rifle elk hunt in Colorado. And then I've got about a 10 day gap between that hunt and another, uh, rifle hunt, which both of us have rifle mule deer tags. And so I think, uh, you know, unless I go chase mule deer again, I think I'm going to try to kill a, that mid, mid, uh, kind of like early, like three rut whitetail, um, see if I can get one on the ground in October. I love hunting October. I love the weather in yeah. October. And yeah. You know, if I can, if I can start to find bucks that are open up scrapes and stuff, I might try to go kill one there. And then November, yeah, end of, end of October, early November, we've got that rifle mule deer hunt. Um, and then November I've got two archery, got a family archery whitetail hunt. And then, um, Josh and I are going on another later November, um, archery whitetail hunt. So it's pretty stacked from basically september 29th until the end of november yeah so is all that in that that area the the north dakota colorado yeah north dakota colorado montana okay yeah so so three states bouncing all over the place yep man that's awesome so i mean that's a full are you going back to places that you've been before is this public land all this 
Yep. Yep. Almost all. Yeah. Pretty much all public land. Um, and then, um, yeah, some spots we've been before some spots will be new. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if I try to go out and chase mule deer, I'll probably bounce out to some new spots and see if I can, you know, put eyes on something big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it'll be another year of, uh, honing in on stuff I already know. And then exploratory missions. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully you connect and, uh, and, uh, have another successful, you know, have another successful season. Is there one of those hunts that you're, you're looking forward to the most or, or, uh, you know, maybe might be a bucket list hunt that you're going to check off? You know, not any bucket list hunts, but the one I'm looking forward to the most is the rifle mule deer hunt with, uh, Josh. Mm -hmm. And we, we both put in for it last year and didn't get it or he didn't get it. I drew. And so I turned my tag back in so I could put in again this year. Mm -hmm. And so we both drew this year. So, um, we've just never had an opportunity other than like we went up to Alaska and shot a couple of blacktail last year. And, and, uh, but we've never been able to be together on a rifle hunt since we whitetail rifle hunted, like, I mean, I don't know, 15 years ago. Yeah. So I'm super pumped to like go out with guns and, and just, you know, like we spend so much time archery hunting. It's just going to be fun to be able to reach out and touch a little bit on, a, <laughs> on some, on some big oh, mule deer. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, are you going to be in like the, the highest high country that there is or, uh, it shouldn't be too bad. I'd say mid range. It, it'll be, yeah. Second season rifle out in Colorado. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see how high we end up getting. I'm hoping, yeah. uh, you know, it kind of depends on where they're, where they're living at that time. Yeah. depends on the weather a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, sounds like you're, you got a busy fall. All right. Now conservation, right? This is something that I feel that you've done a really good job at is preaching the word of conservation. And one way that you've been doing that is through these duck stamps. Why don't you talk, talk, talk to us a little bit, uh, kick it off about why these duck stamps are important and then the big push that, or project that you're working on for them. Yeah, for sure. So when, you know, kind of got into the whole public land advocacy conservation, um, thing like you know like that that became a big part of my life uh, about six years ago right and when you start to learn about all that stuff you look at the different tools that are already in place it's like okay how do we not reinvent the wheel here let's how do we leverage tools that are already happening and one of the most successful and the most amazing tools that is already in place is the federal duck stamp so by law 98 percent of the purchase price of a duck stamp which is 25 bucks has to be spent on wetland conservation so uh and that's not just good for ducks so it it purchases uh wetlands grasslands and everything surrounding it so if you like ducks buy a duck stamp if you like beer buy a duck stamp if you like quail pheasants elk turkeys uh it you know if you like bird watching if you like reptiles if you like if you like any wildlife buying a duck stamp is probably the most efficient way to get money to the ground um and so over 8 million acres since the inception of the duck stamp have been protected by duck stamp dollars. So that's everything from National Wildlife Refuge System to waterfowl production areas to con- wetland conservation easements. Um, and the cool thing now is a lot of the money from duck stamps goes to purchasing more waterfowl production areas, which are open to public hunting. Um, so it's, it's creating more access for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so the last four years, we've been doing what we call the Stamp It Forward project. 
and we ask uh, individuals and companies to donate money directly to us. And with 100% of the money we receive, we go out and we buy additional federal duck stamps. So, I mean, last year alone, we raised $50,000 um, and bought 2,000 federal duck stamps. And then the year before, it was like 1,200, uh, just shy of 1,600 the year before that. And then the first year, we did 1,000. So we've bought, you know, almost 150 grand in duck stamps in the last four years. And uh, this year, wanted to put a little bit of a different twist on it. And, you know, people have been so generous to us to just basically send money and know that we're going to go buy duck stamps and we show the stack and you know and once we get a big stack we start giving them away with merch on our website um, but this year wanted to do it in a way what we would earn the donations and so came up with the idea to do the 100 mile prairie pothole duck ruck which actually kicks off um, if you post this podcast tomorrow i'll be out hiking so it starts uh, september 13th and i'm doing 100 miles over three days through the prairie pothole region I'm um, doing 33.33 miles a day. And so starting um, just southwest you're, of Fargo. You're going to be hiking? Yes. On your feet, um, 33 miles feet. a day? Yes. Oh, yeah, for three days. Yep. So starting tomorrow, yeah, so, um, starting southwest of Fargo, about an hour, uh, starting at a waterfowl production area. I'm going to kick it off there, and then I'll be hiking south and southwest, and it'll actually, I'll end up be going past three national wildlife refuges, um, a pile of waterfowl production areas. And then I basically looked at the map in North Dakota and going down into South Dakota. I was like, okay, where's the line that takes me past the most potholes. And like, if you look at the map, I, I posted the route on my Instagram. And if anybody wants, isn't in, in the area, wants to come out and join, walk for a few miles, uh, you can come out and hop in and walk with me for a while and talk ducks and conservation. And, and, uh, um, but yeah, so we'll start Southwest of Fargo and uh just be walking through you know the middle of nowhere prairie pothole region for three days wow. and the goal is to raise a hundred thousand dollars uh this year for uh wetland conservation so when we lowered that barrier to entry so you can donate as little as 10 bucks so 10 cents a mile and you know i keep saying that if we can get ten thousand like-minded individuals that want to make a big impact to donate 10 cents a mile we can raise 100k and right now on the website, uh, we have a donation page set up. We're a little over uh, $9,000. So feel good about that going into it. And we have some companies that are locked in for donations as well. So it's it's higher than that, but trying to uh, obviously raise that 100K over the next few days. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, wh why ducks? You know, it it doesn't it doesn't just sit you know sit with ducks obviously i grew right. up in the dakotas so you know like ducks and duck hunting and waterfowl hunting is a huge passion of mine um but i think the cool thing about the duck stamp is it extends so far beyond right. just ducks right you know there's there's 700 species humans included that rely on wetlands so it's uh not only is it good for migratory bird species but like i said before it's good for deer elk turkeys pheasants bears uh you name it and it's also good for flood control, soil erosion, uh, water quality, air quality. Like the, the amount of filtering that these wetlands do is astronomical. And so, yeah. you know, as, as we as a population expand, it's going to be more and more important to protect the habitat we currently have and improve upon that habitat. Yep. And so this is just one way that, you know, I think it's a big education piece where we can show people like you donate 
not, you know that 98% of that is going directly to the ground. Yeah. So it doesn't take much from each individual to really make a huge impact on a big scale. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and so you're going to be walking in flip flops or, <laughs> you know, I am just going to wear uh, hiking shoes. Yep. I was, I, I, I thought about wearing boots, but they, I didn't want to carry boots for a uh, hundred miles. Yep. I wanted something a little lighter on my feet. And so, um, yeah, I'll just be walking in, in hiking shoes and, um, trying to figure out, I've got, uh, the, the boys from heyday outdoors, they make these sweet lightweight decoys and I'm, and I'm thinking about adding one decoy. I haven't decided if I'm going to do per 5,000 miles raise or per 10,000 miles raise, but I want to keep adding a decoy to the outside of my pack so I can, you know, have a big bundle of decoys by the time I finish up oh, and dude. each one represents, uh, you know, X thousands of dollars raised. So nice, trying man. to have a lot, yeah, trying to have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, my brother's flying out today and he's going to be part of the road crew. So we'll have the, both the public land bus and the public land van. Um, and then I've got a couple of buddies, Seth, uh, Seth Owens and Matt Moran. They're going to be out there, um, working on doing photos and video to kind of create a pile of you know short form content photos and stuff from the hike and then uh we've got like 20 grand in gear and other prizes to give away like during the hike so oh, wow um just incentive for people to to donate so we've got everything from art from ryan kirby we've got stuff from lucky duck we've got stuff from heyday we've got swag kits from savage um i should i've got a whole list here let me read off a few We've got a bunch of Onyx Elite memberships. We've got Buck Knives. We've got First Light Gear. Um, you know, just Turtle Box speakers. You know, Final Rise vests. Stuff from Vapor Trail Archery. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like Vortex gear. Um, it's just a you know, companies were very generous in donating a whole bunch of stuff that we could give away. So yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, why are you doing this? Somebody has to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. um, I think that's probably the simplest answer. Um, I, I grew up in a family that, that hunts and fishes and spend time outdoors. And, you know, ever since there was a possibility that we were going to lose a bunch of public land, you know, and have it be privatized, it, it never sat right with me that future generations wouldn't be able to experience the same thing that I have. Yeah. And, there's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. It says the greatest good for the greatest number of people includes those within the womb of time. And so you have to think about people who aren't even born yet. Yeah. You have to think about, you know, think about, you know, what's, what's it look like here 250 years from now? Yeah. We want generation after generation after generation to be able to keep this, these traditions, these activities, this connection to the land alive. Um, and so, you know, figured might as well go out and do my part best I can. Heck yeah, man. And you're doing one hell of a job. So con I mean, congratulations for, for setting this up and getting it done. And, and, and I guess I'll basically thank you for caring, you know, like you said, someone's got to do it. And, uh, thanks for putting in the time and, and the effort. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that have, I mean, I would, I would even say bigger platforms than you, making more money than you and doing way less for conservation than everybody. Right. And so it's awesome to see, um, a trendsetter and someone who I would call a leader, uh, you know, 
talking the talk and walking the walk literally now you're walking the walk so <laughs> yeah so thank you for yeah. that man well i just appreciate you allowing me to come on and kind of talk about it and explain explain the project you know and one thing i wanted to make sure i touched on is a lot of people wonder you know what the hell do you do with the stamps when you buy that many yeah. so if we raise a hundred grand that's four thousand duck stamps yeah and and what we're what we want to do with them this year um is we want to give 500 of those stamps to delta waterfowl uh, we want to give 500 of those stamps to Ducks Unlimited as a way to create an additional fundraiser. So whether they give those away with new memberships or find another creative way to, you know, give those away to members to raise, you know, another thirty-five dollars to $50,000 on top of the 100 k And then we want to give 500 away to veteran, youth, and new hunter organizations. In the last couple of years, we've given away a couple hundred each year, and uh, we want to really bolster that up and give them out to people who are organizations that are getting people outdoors and kind of, you know, educating people on conservation and, and uh, just getting people outside. And then the rest um, we'll do what we do every year. And that's um, starting on September 18th, which is the Monday after the hike, we will start giving away uh, a duck stamp with every single item purchased on our website. Oh, nice. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, hopefully the weather is nice and you're not uh, humping it through the rain uh you know the next three i got days. i got so lucky it's gonna be highs in the mid 70s lows nice. in the 50s you know couldn't you know i think uh i think god was looking out for me on this one yeah okay based off of what you've researched and and how long it's going to take you know you said 33.3 miles a day right yep how how long is 33 miles going to take you like how many how many hours of sleep a night are you getting you know, I'll get, I'll, I should, I, you know, I should get plenty of sleep unless my body breaks down, Yeah. <laughs> but I have been training a lot and I've been training with a 40 pound pack all the time. So I've been doing a lot of like four to seven mile hikes, you know, with 40 pounds I, and I'm not planning on carrying, unless I'm carrying lots of decoys, I'm not planning on carrying a ton of weight uh, over the hundred miles. So yeah. my goal each day is to average a little shy of three miles an hour and i when i was training i was averaging at a little over four miles an hour so gotcha. i'm cutting off the the speed um so i can it's a longevity thing this is yeah. just going to be a you know a real long play so i think i'll probably break it down into two or three hour sections each day you know i'll start hiking at you know first light or sunrise and walk for you know walk for two or three hours take a break get some food you know rehydrate and then and then keep walking again um so i'm thinking probably between 10 and 12 hours you know probably closer to that 12 hour range each day you know i'll use all a lot of daylight um to uh to get it done that's awesome man well good luck uh yeah. hopefully all things go well and uh this fun this this uh fundraiser connects and people go bananas for these duck stamps man and uh and again thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on and bs with me for a little bit i really appreciate it man Hey, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again for helping me spread the word. And um, yeah, if anybody wants to go donate, just head to publiclandtees.com forward slash duckruck um, or just go straight to publiclandtees.com. There's a big banner at the top you can click on. It takes you right to the page to explain more. If you want to follow along, we'll be going live every few miles and giving stuff away and talk about how it's going. And, and uh, just, it'll be very easy to see where I'm at on the map. Ooh, awesome. Awesome. All right. Hey, good luck this season, man. Hey, thanks, you too. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Sam. Um, 
Really appreciate what he's doing for conservation. Huge shout out to Tethered, Ozonics, Wasp, and Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, huge shout out to each and every one of you. I really seriously mean this with all of my heart, man. I hope everybody goes out and finds the success that they are looking for this upcoming season. And uh, you slay what you want to slay or you experience what you want to experience. And man, I am a, uh, I'm a huge advocate for the experiences and, and who you share those experiences with, man. So good vibes in, good vibes out. If you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness.